welcome to episode 47 of Random Encounter, the RPG fan podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, pale Robbie on the boards, stuck on the matador in Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne. Joining me today, we have the lord and master of the universe and Civ aficionado. Thank you. <laughs> I, I downloaded the mod for Pastafarianism, and uh, I'm, I'm very happy about that, in fact. Uh, this is John McCarroll. I am John on our forums whenever our server company fixes the PHP on the server. I really hope that there is a mod to get Scientology into the new Civ. I really want to see Katie Holmes getting chased after by, like, black vans. The special <laughs> unit is Tom Cruise, and he can shoot lightning. <laughs> I really want that. All right, that wonderful voice that you just heard was the man who just loves those new Mass Effect 3 endings. Wait, wait, is that me? Uh, I was being facetious. Oh, okay. I always want you to introduce the show as Chatterbox like Laszlo from Grand Theft Auto. Hi, I'm Rob, and this is Random Encounter, where your opinion matters. And but, I'm uh, Stephen Myrick. I'm Taylor on our non-existent boards. Well, we would love to answer fans' opinions, but how many letters did we get this past uh, two-week period, John? Zero. You know, antagonizing the fans might not be the best way to get them to, to write We're, letters to us. So. It worked in Chatterbox, though. Just verbally berate people. In all fairness, one person did actually get my King's reference on the E3 podcast, so way to go. Uh, that was awesome. And then I had another guy who sent me an email asking what the podcast email was. So, yeah, we're off to a great start. Uh, so that's the producer of the show over there telling me not to antagonize people. Uh, this is Zach Pinchik, and I'm super flat on our boards. All right, all right. So we are in the hot days of summer. We got a lot of games to play, some new, some old. But I want to start off with the game that will bring back a wonderful series and eliminate the horrible aftertaste that is Fantasy Star Universe. Steven? There, there, there's already two games that eliminated the aftertaste from Fantasy Star Universe called Fantasy, Fantasy Star, Star Portable. Portable and Fantasy Star Portable 2. I and, didn't play those. And then maybe Fantasy Star Zero, though that wasn't quite as good. I was actually going to say Diablo 3 just to be a pain. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, Fantasy Star Online 2. How yeah, is... so... Um, I, I hopped in uh, right on the uh, – I got the beta, and I installed it, and it took forever to install and patch, and then uh, and then the game – the beta ended uh, about 10 minutes after I got it installed and patched because they actually launched the game. Um, the first thing you'll notice is that it's way, 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 way nicer and more polished and more fluid than Fantasy Star Universe was because I remember when I first played Universe, I was all excited. I was like, oh, I love Fantasy Star Online. It's just going to be a more fluid version of that. And then when you sit down to Fantasy Star Universe, when it came out, you're like, this is half done, feels totally half baked. It's super glitchy and super just janky. You know, it, it just it was really not at all, in my opinion, it didn't really have that the same kind of like flavor that Fantasy Star Online had. And within an hour playing this, I was like, well, this is Fantasy Star Online. You know, it's the sci fi setting is really fantastic and they really take advantage of just. Like, even the ship you're on is just really cool because, like, you'll be running around and, like, people can have – there's, like, a place where people can, like, you know, congregate and they pop up on all the screens. And, like, if people are playing games fighting, like, big bosses or doing really cool, they pop up on the screen so everyone that's in the lobby can watch. And, I mean, there's the, – the the whole lobby area is really, really well set up. Um, incidentally, the way you join games, uh, you you pick a – you pick a, a – like, a, a team to join or you start a mission – and you go into this little room that has like a virtual reality pool of water. It looks kind of like the pool of water from a Minority Report. And you jump into it and it teleports you uh, with the exact same animation that was in Fancy Star Online, the original, and the same sound effect. Uh, so, yeah, I like that. 
but you know, it's, it plays really fluid. Um, the jumping is actually not at all janky. Um, and you know, air comboing is really cool to other people. Um, like a, a lot of your, your weapons get photon arts, which is something they carried over from universe, but they, you know, you'll have like, you know, your, you know, your saber and you can get a, a bunch of different photon arts for that. And it'll have like the photon art will knock it up, knock an enemy up in the air. So you can combo, which you can do indefinitely. Now you don't have like a set three hit combo. As long as you keep matching the timing, you can keep swinging and you can mix and match like your techniques with, you know, your physical attack to your photon art, you know, and it works really cool. Cause you know, you basically can make your own combos. So, you know, you can, you know, hit a guy, knock him up in the air, and then your teammate can jump up in the air and start slashing him. And then another guy can jump into a photon art that knocks people on the ground. And it just, it, it's really fluid and it comes together really well. And just the way the looting has worked so far and like the way you, you know, you're upgrading your character, uh, it really feels fantasy star online but it took the few good ideas that I thought universe had and brought them over. Like, you know, being able to change your class at any time and, okay. you know, it has like a ton of customization and. All right. Why am I not playing this game? Because it's in Japanese. One thing to point out about it, um, it's definitely, if you've played Universe, you know that the menu system is, a, it's workable, but it's a little convoluted. Um, the, this one is pretty similar. Um, if you, normally I would say, even if it's in Japanese, go for it. And you might be able to muddle through it, but it's, there's a lot of menu options and it might be a little overwhelming because, you know, you got to set up your little palette on the bottom, uh, you know, and, equipment and all that so mm. it's if you're willing to take the plunge you might be able to mump you know muddle through it but it is it there's a lot of japanese in it um oh that's so disheartening incidentally i was gonna play it with a controller uh but it works really well with the mouse and keyboard because you know you have your whole set of hot keys where you can you can map like monomates items techniques or not techniques but like items all kinds of stuff to the uh the number keys and so, there's the uh, new, there's the first person or I guess third person combat, you know. Yes, the, the third person shooting. It actually works really well too. You can you have two choices. You can either lock onto an enemy, which locks the camera. Finally, in that series, um, and it works better than the one from Fantasy Star Universe, I think. Um, just I don't I don't know I, I can't really explain it, but basically that just the camera is more manageable when you lock onto an enemy, and you know locking on and then circling around and doing air combos really you know makes it easier to pull that stuff off. Uh, but what's really cool is it with your magic and, you know, for example, you can get a saber that has a gun on it so you can use it as a, as a pistol, you know, or you get like a rifle or something like that. The first person view, it's more of like a like a over the shoulder camera. And it just it's really effective, like with the mouse, just how the controls are set up. You know, you can really easily switch from swinging your sword around, jump to a gun and then you can start strafing and jumping. And, you know, it it just it feels like what I expected Fantasy Star Universe to be when that first came out, like you know, a logical, fluid extension of Fantasy Star Online. And even beyond that, you get extra control with the with the first-person shooting camera because you can uh, – various enemies have different weak points. You know, like if you shoot an enemy in the head, it's going to do uh, critical damage, whereas, you know, if you lock on, you're more mobile, but, you know, so it adds that extra level of depth. Is is this yeah. a you, – you guys were telling me that I should pick it up and that it's free. Is this a free-to-play game? Or is yes, it, yeah, it's, it's free-to-play. They just uh? – yeah, they just released, so it's PC only right now, um, and they're they're coming out with a smartphone and a Vita version uh, sometime next, or maybe the, I think the Vita is sometime next spring, and then smartphone will be after that or some sort of um, smaller version. But uh, yeah, they you know it's it's free to play. They have a 
uh, you can buy arc cash or something like that uh, to buy different costumes and uh, I guess there's there's premium servers that you can get on. So you know if there's queue times, then you don't have to you know like default to just um, waiting on the queues and stuff like that. But for you know someone who doesn't live in Japan, it's uh, you know and who can manage to make their way through the levels or through the menus, um, it's it's pretty you know accessible as far as being able to actually play the game. It uh, another thing with that too is that I really I have no interest in free to play games generally. It didn't feel like one. Like I was playing, and I didn't feel like, oh, I need to go into that cash shop and buy a bunch of crap. Um, mm. You know, reasonably speaking, there's a ton of options in the menu that I might be missing that might have some features that, you know, I might actually want to look into. But the the experience is complete. It seems um, the level cap right now, I believe, is I think it's thirty or forty, and they're going to be raising it over time because you remember the old one was level two hundred. Um, but you know, at the moment they have content up to that level, and then they're they basically said they're just going to continue expanding and expanding. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a really large uh, like release schedule planned already, and so like right now they with the release they just un- unlocked the new uh, mines level, and then they, over the summer they're having you know like new costumes and and different stuff like that, and they'll have different events, um, and then later in the summer they're adding new quests, new events, new bosses. Um, and that's leading up to the fall, which is going to have um, new weapons classes and a very hard mode and increase the level cap. So this goes – I think they have plans all the way through uh, the winter as far as new content goes. So it seems like a, a pretty sizable uh, experience. Well, I, I guess my question to you guys would be do we think we're going to get this in America? Because this really excites me. I, I remember watching my buddies play PSO. I didn't have a Dreamcast, so I never got to play it. but it looked like such a great game. It looked like it was going to be my type of title, but I never got a chance to play it. Are we going to get it in America, do you think? I, I think we, we probably have a pretty decent chance at it. And I mean, free-to-play is big right now. Mm. And, you know, Sega Sega right now is not localizing a lot of niche titles, but this is a title that might have mainstream success. Especially with the, the popularity of free-to-play games on, on Steam recently. You know, And granted. especially also... Given that you know they've localized, I mean, in terms of Fantasy Star, we got all of the Fantasy Star Online's and both Fantasy Star Portables, which definitely mm-hmm. seem like a lost cause. Mm-hmm. On top of that, they have in the if you poke around in the uh, client settings, there's little there's things like that say like language options, and the only yeah. language right now is Japanese, but it has a drop down box, so no. assumably uh, you'll be able they'll throw in some the, sort of options there. The question I have is in Fantasy Star Online too. Um, can you get like Pizza Hut stuff or Colonel Sanders? God, I hope so. Is that a Crazy Taxi reference, or is that something from PSO? No, no. I don't know. In in the Fantasy Star Portable Two, you could get pizza-shaped <laughs> weapons, and you could, you get, could get Colonel a drumstick. Sanders. You could get <laughs> Colonel Sanders as an ally, but only in the Japanese version of the game. And he wielded a drumstick. <laughs> Oh I mean, so God. for this one, they have they're having a lot of different events right now. They have this welcome campaign going on because there's too much crowding on the first five servers. So if you jump to a different server, uh, you'll get, you know, like extra, you know, like so and so. And you get this like in-game plate, which I don't know what it does. But, you know, um, I imagine that they'll have different events like that in the future. I, I think this is a really interesting turn of play for Fantasy Star, considering that. 
you know, even with Universe, they were charging a fee for online, and it it's you know it's an instanced game. It's not like it it has always on servers. So this seems like a huge shift for them. It reminds me a lot of the first Guild Wars in the terms of how it's set up, because you have you know your your unified lobby areas, um, and then the instance games. It's it's honestly kind of refreshing because I miss that from like Diablo two and you know back with Fantasy Star Online you know the, the version one and version two. It's kind of nice just to have that setup where it's like all right here's the group and then you know me and my friends or me and the people I met online we could just go and have no, our own I, private game. I, I I will be completely honest. The way that uh, Diablo three handles its online games is amazing. I agree. Mm. Yeah. Granted, you don't get the, you know, like that kind of multiplayer, the massively multiplayer aspect or moderately, I guess, no, multiplayer aspect. That's a good point. I, th- I think it really goes, what do you want to do? Like, uh, you know, playing the beta weekends for Guild Wars 2, you, when you see like 50 people cresting a hill, there's something really cool about that. But sometimes you want to play a little bit more of an intimate experience. You want to play with a smaller group. And like the fact that when I'm playing Diablo 3, like Steven or John or Zach can just hop into my game. And we could just go around, even though you guys haven't been playing nearly as much as I have. It, it's something really. It's uh, shut up. It, it's something really special, and I really like it. But I, I think that there's room for both. And you know, uh, from what you guys are telling me about PSO2, I'm really excited for this. I think Sega would be nuts not to bring this out in America. I don't even think they really. All they have to do is just localize the text, and I think they have something. They don't need to go in and like. I don't know. Is the game voiced? Does it have? Yeah, there's actually a pretty. Uh, I one cool thing. Uh, Fantasy Star Online story, the original, was basically a bunch of like discs that you picked up and read, and that was it. Um, this one has similar setups, but now there are actual cutscenes throughout the quests, and the characters are voiced, and then you also give your character a voice. Yeah, okay. I, I just don't think, you know, I, I'm thinking back to what they did for Yakuza and how they spent all that money on the original Yakuza lock, localizing that. And then they just said, ah, screw it. People didn't even want that, so let's just give them the Japanese version with subtitles. I mean, for this one, you know, a, a PC game, you know, most PC games that come from Japan, I feel like either have that very niche crowd, uh, like, let's say, Reseteer did. Uh, where you you know like it, no one would really care if there was you know English language voices versus Japanese language voices, or you would get something I think more like this, where you know like to to broaden that audience if they really wanted to make it commercially viable, they would have to either go in and and do all the voice acting or just take out the voice acting or something along those lines. But yeah. we'll see. Um, if there are any of you listening who are interested in, in playing it in its current state right now, um, there's a website called bumped.org, which has been a, a very solid source of information over the course of the past few weeks about getting into the beta. They have guides for creating accounts, so those of you who can't read Japanese uh, can can work through that. And I guess let's hope to hear more about it in the future. Oh, that or I'll yeah. just fly Stephen out to me and he can help me through all the menus and whatnot. Just share your screen on Skype. <laughs> That's actually a good idea. Well, I know. Uh, all, right. all, you, all, all you have to know is that attack is Tatakau. Tatakau. <laughs> okay. Anywho, all right. I want to hear about Pokemon Conquest. Can I hear about Pokemon Conquest? I, I think that I can oblige you there. Okay. Um, so tell me about Nobunaga's ambition to take over the world with Pikachus. Yes, okay. Please show me your Pokemons. All right. Well, I've got um, well, I've got like a Pikachu. Or no, I got a Pichu, 
and I got uh, a pine cone guy, and I got a uh, uh, I got an Eevee. That's the main character's normal one. Oh, I always thought Eevees were the cutest. So, uh, Pokemon. <laughs> what? I'm serious. I wasn't meant to. I wasn't John meant... just completely ignored you and kept on trucking. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess. I, I don't know how to respond to that. Fair enough. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I don't understand the question, and I won't respond to it. Um, so it, Pokemon Conquest is very interesting because it feels inst- – it doesn't feel like Pokemon plus Nobunaga's ambition. Uh, it feels like Nobunaga's ambition with some Pokemon tossed in. Um, the game is very, very focused on you having your kingdom and defending it and making sure that you're doing the right thing so that, so that you know, the Pokemon that are everywhere level up and da, 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 so on and so forth. It plays like a, a classic style strategy game, like a Romance of the Three Kingdoms or a, a Nobunaga's Ambition with a more classical tactical RPG uh, battle system. And it works. It's fun. It's not a top tier title by any stretch of the imagination, but it's fun. And if you like tactical RPGs, you're going to like it, especially if you like Pokemon. Um, The overall game structure is great, but I I come with issues with the game. Um, One, the way that you recruit new people is kind of dumb. Uh, pretty much you go into random areas where they spawn or, or you, there are some, uh, battles where people are defending their, their kingdoms, but you either have to kill the other guy with in the first four turns of the battle, which is almost impossible. Uh, especially if it's one of the bigger, uh, uh, areas, or there are some areas where like the, the psychic kingdom where literally you jump into a portal and it pops you somewhere else on the map where you might not even be able to get to the other guys within four turns, or you have to kill them with a super effective move, which is a lot tougher than it sounds, which comes to my other negative point, which is finding Pokemon and leveling them up to go and do things that you need them to do. So say I'm actually right now, I'm going to go fight a bunch of psychic guys, but I need uh, what, I need bug Pokemon or dark Pokemon. So literally, I'm spending turns and turns and turns waiting for good bug Pokemon to spawn so I can go capture them. And then I am spending turns and turns and turns leveling up that bug Pokemon so that I can survive this fight. Because using just a regular effective move is not good enough unless you're overleveled. Hmm. So it's it's a lot like Pokemon in that you are grinding and you are grinding a lot. See, that's a shame because it seems like this sort of strategy thing could be a really interesting twist on the tried Pokemon formula, which on it for me is getting like a little bit. I've only a little bit old and I've only played like you know blue and then sapphire and then black and white. So I. I would love a Pokemon Conquest 2 because the this, you know, this was kind of an experiment. It was produced at Tecmo Koei, not at Nintendo. Mm. And I think if you give these guys another try, give them the feedback, that they would make a great game. Like, I, I love Koei's games. Um, I've played literally every Romance of the Three Kingdoms game since 5. Mm. And they don't always get it right. 
You know, I really didn't like Romance of the Three Kingdoms 9. You know, I, I didn't like 11 that much. But each game has kind of a thing that it does differently or that it does right or that it does wrong. And I think that that given another try that they can certainly iterate and make this game better, make it less grindy, make like because e- even in uh, the, the regular Pokemon games, you can go and as long as your your Pokemon is leveled enough and it doesn't take hours and hours and hours, even with a, a Pokemon that's weak against whatever you're fighting, you can still win. That's not the case. You will get your butt handed to you in Conquest if you try that. And I think that's that's it's not that the game is difficult. It's just that it's very unforgiving. Hmm. And I, I hate to sound so negative because I really do like the game. But the first thing that pops to my mind when I think about the game is the reasons why I'm not playing it right now. You know, like with Tactics Over, I played hours and hours and hours And I just wanted to keep going back, keep leveling up, keep going because, yeah, it was a tough game, but it was giving me a reason to keep playing. Right now, I don't see much of a reason for me to go and find more bug Pokemon. You're not interested in the bug Pokemon? No, not really. I have enough. And the other thing is that every battle has a turn limit. And when you're trying to capture something like another city or another kingdom... You have to meet all the the uh, requirements in that turn. So I have 10 or 20 turns to capture and hold four flags on this battlefield while all the different colored teleporters are changing and taking me to different places. Like, it's impossible to plan. It, it's funny because I really like SRPGs. I love turn-based strategy games, but... It's really hard for them to get a rhythm that I like. Like, I, I always bring back the original uh, Final Fantasy Tactics as having, like, a really good rhythm, and the battles could take a long time sometimes, but mostly they were pretty quick and speedy. And then a game like Valkyria Chronicles, which I really should have loved that game, like, some of the fights just felt way too long, and you could end up you could end up losing the whole fight from one bad move. And no, I don't want to replay that whole thing again. Like, I, I really wanted to love Valkyria Chronicles so much, but if I would lose a character just from, like, literally poking my head out from cover for, like, too long one time and lose an hour-long battle, that would drive me nuts. Oh, I agree completely. Like, it, it, every strategy game has their little thing that's going to make you mad, and it's just the fact that, that Pokemon's Conquest, for me, is that I have to grind so much. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're right, though. I think that it, it's great to see a new, a technically new IP, you know, combining two IPs, I guess, as it were. And maybe with a sequel, they'll be able to iron out some of that stuff. I mean, I, I always am excited when I hear that a company gets to do another game, you know, like Darksiders 2, an original IP. Oh, they're, yeah. getting, they're getting to do something new, something, you know, try to improve upon it a little bit. And I, I think that that's a good sign. So maybe Pokemon Conquest can get some word of mouth, get some people interested, sell some copies. Well, and I, secret, so they can knock it I, out. I, I don't think that there's there's any question that the game will sell copies. It's got the word Pokemon on it. Yeah, that's and, and Actually, yeah, I agree. It's better than every other spinoff of the game. It's better than Ranger. It's better than than Mystery Dungeon. It's not better than Pokemon Snap, is it? And nothing's better than Pokemon Snap. Yeah, Pokemon Snap. Nothing can kill the Grimace. <laughs> okay. So, Actually, I was gonna I was gonna say too. I really see them getting to make a sequel to that game. Like, 
there's enough interest in it because, I mean, the concept alone, someone goes, yeah, it's a strategy RPG with Pokemans. And people are pretty much on board because Pokemon is already has that, you know, pretty dense layer of strategy on it. So, I mean, I really don't see how it's not going to do well enough to warrant the sequel. Is there Pokemon eugenics in this one? Like, oh, we're, we're, no, there's no breeding. <laughs> you're, what's, you're not what's, like breeding Pokemon what, for the master race. What's interesting is is the characters in the game actually make fun of uh, like because they're they're in like this classical Japan world, but even though it's it's taking place at the same time as uh, all the other games, so even there that you know you've got um, you know huge technology and all that kind of stuff in in the other worlds and they're like in feudal japan over here but uh it, it's really interesting because they make fun they're like they put their pokemon in balls what's going on da, 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 da. <laughs> that's actually kind of cute <laughs> i like that all right so is that all you have to say about pokemon conquest some good ideas hopefully we see some yeah, more I maturation mean, it- it's got it's got really good ideas going for it. It's got the Pokemon franchise going for it. It's got lots of stuff that's positive. It's just that it it needs another iteration. You know, it's it's not quite there yet. Well, let's hope. Let's hope. All right, who wants to talk next? Uh, I hate the go. Matador. There, I said it. You can talk about that. I'll talk about theater rhythm close to the end. Freaking Matador. Uh, <laughs> so I'm playing uh, Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne. Uh, I'm maybe like five or six hours into it because I keep getting distracted by another game that's on my PC. Uh, I really like it. Uh, I- I'm not having the problems that I had with Strange Journey where I'm constantly Sorry. being... What? <laughs> what was that? I-, I-, I love Shin Megami, but I really didn't like Strange Journey because I just felt bored the whole time. I kept getting obliterated in Strange Journey. Like, I w- I, maybe I just wasn't leveling properly, but I would get into a random encounter, get my ass kicked, or I would just get, like, my... They would always attack my main character and just obliterate him in, like, three attacks. And it got really frustrating. And, you know, I've only I can't had... wait. Go ahead. I'll say, I can't wait for the text message from Rob when he gets, like... I think it's, like, a uh, third or halfway through Nocturne. The text message going, I just got Mamudo to my, my party member died. I lost the game and the hour of progress. This game sucks. It, it did happen to me one time, but I had just saved. But, uh, yeah, it, it hasn't really been pulling that kind of crap on me too much. Uh, I don't know how I feel about the the bog standard, you know, talk to these demons in order to get to recruit them. You know, I like pancakes. Do you like pancakes? Do you think life is hardship? And the- <laughs> <laughs> what, what's great is the, the, the way that he – I like pancakes. Do you like pancakes? Yes. What? You like pancakes? I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> this is outrageous. I hate pancakes. That, also, I'm taking some money. That kind of crap with the SMT games. Uh, so, so let me back up a little bit. Uh, so SMT, for those who don't know, it's basically a series in which the world ends and it's overrun with demons and you have to go out and have an adventure summoning demons and whatnot. It's adult Pokemon. Yeah. yeah it's adult Pokemon. And it's, it's a really cool, like series in that respect very adult very different very occult in a lot of ways there's Uh, a lot of uh hindu and buddhist uh, mythology in it too which is super cool 
it's really cool. And in order to recruit these demons, and so you can basically recruit any demon that you have a fight with. Uh, some you can't. But uh, if you can fight it, you can most likely talk to it. And then you get into this demon negotiation, and it's just like John said. It's like, I like pancakes. You don't like pancakes. I hate you. Now die. Give me money. Give me more money. Now give me a potion. Okay, I join you. And it's, hey, do you have any hot women in your party? All right, I join you. Yeah, and it's it's okay, but I really get frustrated with it sometimes because I'm just like, really? Like, it's a guessing game. I'm not sure if I'm going to say the right thing and get this person into my party. Well, it's so, not really a guessing game. Like, you have to, like, listen. Like, in the environment, people will tell you stuff about demons sometimes and, like, their alignment has to do with it and, like, what type of demon they are. Like, you know, like, chaos demons, if they're like, yo, what do you think of the police? And you're like, oh, F the police. Obviously, they're going to be like, hell yeah, I'm joining you. But granted, that that just means a lot of going to an FAQ. Like, if I can't sit there and remember everything in my head. Like, I already have a hard enough time with the SMT games because i got to remember what each freaking spell does. It has a description of it. Well, yeah, they have a description of it, but, like, I have to make sure to read the description every time before I cast it. But it's written right above it. For God's sake. Okay, so which spell raises your defense? That would be wow. It's been a while. Rock, rock it's not Sukukaja. Sukukaja. Rock, 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 there we go. Uh, it, it just it, it has its own terminology, very similar to like a Dragon Quest. Sukukaja is faster. That, that's not a it, again. That's not a huge complaint on my part, and I am really enjoying it. But there, it's a little slow for my taste. I have no idea what's going on in the story. I'm just confused. I'm just like the world ended, and yeah. Well, it's been five hours. You haven't you haven't gotten very far. I know. I mean, I I definitely like it. I don't know if I'm going to stick with it. It's not drawing me in. It's funny because I was drawn in by the story of Digital Devil Saga, but the, I thought the battles were just taking too long. Maybe I, maybe I was just playing stupid. I don't know. But uh, Nocturne's battle system is faster. Nocturne's a little bit of a slow burn in in that way that you have like it's the story that's very air quotes gamey philosophical. Um, but then, you know, like once you get into the mechanics of it, I actually played it, you know, however long ago that it came out and got stuck at the very same place that Rob is. So, yeah, then I get, so everybody tells me when I start this game, I I say it on our editor boards. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to start playing Nocturne. And they're all like, when you get to Matador, don't get mad. And I'm like, oh, come on. It can't be that bad. So I just gotten done a boss fight and like, you know, it it was a tough fight against a troll. I I had some trouble with it, but I managed to take him out. Then I get to Matador. Matador is this skeleton wearing flamingo out, like a literal Matador. Flamenco, not flamingo. (laughs) (laughs) Flamingo. I I was like, wait, I was sitting there. I was like, did he say flamingo? All right, all right, all right. And he just, this skeleton dude just obliterates my party in one turn. And I'm just like, huh. No, I found a big sword. Sorry. What are you doing? Podcasting, what are you doing? (laughs) Are you playing PSO or are you playing Diablo? Playing PSO. Okay. That's okay. Uh, So, yeah, I get obliterated in one, one round. And it... It kind of was like, okay, now I have to go grind for a little bit. I mean, granted, this is an older game. I mean, this is not a next-gen title or anything like that. And it's quaint. I am enjoying it. But it's not sucking me in nearly as quickly as the Persona games. And I don't know if I'm going to stick with it. I'm intrigued by it. I definitely think you need to play it more. That game, 
That was the first right. Shin Megami game I played, and I quit it four times. My my my, my good friend kept telling me, he's like, no, just keep playing, keep playing. Because I got to Thor, and I was like, this game sucks, I don't want to play it anymore. And he's like, just keep playing it, trust me. And then once you get out of the initial, okay, there are five demons I can have right now, and they're all stupid looking, and I don't know <laughs> what's going on in the story, there's such a richness to the plot and so much cool crap going on and a lot of really interesting things like, you know, like people can play that and, you know, you, you pick, you know, the types of decisions you want to make and your ending and whatnot. And they're all really different and really interesting. And after a while, honestly, the battle system just gets to be super addictive because you're sitting there just totally stacking your characters. Yeah. See, right now I'm not seeing any of that. It's very, it's very basic. It's very like, okay, use like this one attack over and over again. It's very similar to the problem that I had with digital devil saga. Like the first three hours of uh, DDS, I was just kind of like, yeah, I, I'm. I, I want to see more of the story, but the combat is just not grabbing me. A, a whole lot see, of Atlas games are like that, though, where it it does take a while to get going, but once you have a full grasp of what's going on. Yeah, I think Persona Four started out much stronger because I, I Persona is really built since you have a very limited choice in all the different demons that you can have. I mean, your main character can have a multitude of demons, but each party member has one. They have to build the combat around that. Okay, since you're going to be using this character, we're going to have to give you a bunch of enemies in this area that are weak to this kind of attack to keep the combat going and to keep it fresh. And with Nocturne, I mean, it's basically you get whatever characters you're going to get. You might get really good demons that are going to help you out. You might get crap. Deal with it. It's much more hardcore in that respect. And that's that's good. I mean, I like that, but it's it's grinding on me a little. I, I think you really need to play it more. Like John said, that's any JRPG. Like you start out, there's not a lot going on in the combat. I mean – you look at most of them, you start out, you got one move, you got five or six different enemies you're fighting. It's yeah, when you it walk really down opened... one, You walk down one hallway for about three hours and press the X button over and over again. <laughs> That's a different JRPG. Maybe, yeah, maybe Final Fantasy thirteen, but... You know. <laughs> like, you know, the thing with that game is eventually you're going to start getting certain types of demons called Metama that you can use to tweak stats. You're going to get elemental demons that can let you totally change it up. You know, you can tweak the skills you're passing on when you start doing Demon Fusion, which is like... It's endlessly addicting, and I honestly, I haven't finished either of the Persona games, the the newer ones, and I really want to because I like them, but I always felt that was something seriously missing from those games, was the aspect of customization that Digital Devil Saga and Nocturne has. Well, I think the, the Demon Fusion in the Persona series is definitely more downplayed. I mean, it's it's not, even in just the few hours of Nocturne, like I'm looking at it going, whoa, this is a the- little bit more intricate. Demon Fusion in Nocturne is one of the primary aspects, whereas it's a secondary aspect in uh, Persona. Right. In Persona, you can kind of – you can screw around with it and still make it out okay. When I read online how to take out Matador, and they're like, take these two demons, fuse them together at this level. You get this demon. You're good to go. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be a little bit – I can tell that if I'm going to finish Nocturne, I'm probably going to have to do it with my computer open just so I can go through an FAQ. Because you'll get the hang of the enemies like it, it, it's only that rigid early in the game because you only have, you know, you don't have that many options yet. Later on in the game, you have you're not locked into, oh, you need to have this demon to win. It's it's just that early in the game. 
you literally I think at that point you have like what, like six or seven demons that you can actually recruit. Yeah. Yeah. So you, your options are really limited. Once you get once you get, you know, into the broader, you know, a, a little further in, you have, you know, it could be, you know, 40 or 50 kinds of demons that you're running into and fusing. And then from there, you're fusing more. And, you know, it's not, it's not nearly so rigid as, oh, I have to have pixie to beat this boss it's you know okay this boss is weak to this let me make a demon that can do that well now my question to you guys is because what i used as my guide in the persona games was what level is my demon like is my demon level 18 or are they level 14 and if i could fuse them together to make a level 18 demon or a level 16 demon i always went with the level 18 is that going to screw me up if i play nocturne that way because I feel it, like it's going to. It's going to be different because sometimes a lower level demon that is appropriate for the situation right. is worthwhile. And one of the things that you're going to want to do is uh, there's a compendium in in Nocturne. Yes, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is you're going to want to save your your demons into the compendium. And so you're going to screw up. I can bring them back. Yes, exactly. So that you can say, OK, uh, I. I totally this is not the guy I want, but I still want to build this other guy. I'm going to go grab these demons from the compendium. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like a it doesn't penalize you for experimenting. It, it is, but it's worth the barrier to entry. It's a little obtuse up front, but it does make sense. I, I really want to stick at it. I mean, I, I don't have too many other games that I want to play this Shadow summer. Hearts. Uh, shut up. Uh, I want to get through. That that is by far the most requested thing of you, Rob, is that you should play Shadow. (laughs) I'm going to do it. I don't know when. Uh, I'm getting married, guys. I don't have a lot of time for anything else. Oh, here it is. Yeah, there we go. That's the excuse I'm going to use. Yeah, shut up. Um, I I really want to finish Nocturne. Um, and then if I have enough time this summer, I'd like to give Digital Devil Saga another shot. That's a good Uh, idea. I, I really want to to like Digital Devil Saga. My buddy Brian, he was telling me like, you need to play this game, and yeah. it was just the wrong time for me to try to play it. I want to give it another shot, but Nocturne is it, it's it's tough because if I ever have a choice between playing Nocturne or Diablo, <laughs> which one do you think I play? <laughs> like I know that's terrible to say, but I, I go straight to Diablo. That's okay. I, I'm sorry. It's not. It's, not- you know, not everyone has good taste in games. It's all right. Oh, for yeah, God. I mean, we do, but, you know. You, you, you <sighs> I'm going to keep at it, though. I, I will give an update on Nocturne as I go. Uh, also, uh, I've been reading a lot, and Order of Phoenix sucked. Oh, my. No, it did not. Order of Phoenix was not very good. It, it definitely could have used a little editing, and she even admitted that. She said, you know, I'm famous now. Nobody ever corrects me. And she said, I feel like I could have made this book 150 pages shorter. Yeah. That would have made – there were some really good things in that book, but like for uh, – so uh, I will – very briefly, my fiance wanted me to read the Harry Potter books. So. Because she loves you and she's doing what's best for you even though you're kicking and screaming the whole damn time. I, I got to say I, I'm not kicking and screaming. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, the first five. I, I had a good time with them. Uh, wait, no, first four. Yeah, first four. Yeah. Really enjoyed them. Uh I did feel like in Goblet of Fire she was getting a little long-winded, but I could deal with it. And then I saw that Order of Phoenix was like 870 pages, and I was like, "All right, that's not a problem in the next two. Okay, I'm a- you're actually, but you're about to read my favorite. My favorite is Half Blood Prince. Yeah, and that's probably going to end up being my favorite based on conversations that we've had. So it it's just interesting because I I apply that when I like okay to bring it back to video games. 
I do feel like editing is very, very important. Like, uh, we've talked about the game before, but like Castlevania Lords of Shadow, there is a great game in there. It's just that it's 20. There's also a bunch of really pointless crap. Like, it's. For example, the scene when the little dude steals all your equipment and you have to putz uh -uh. around in a really boring level where you can't fight Uh to get your stuff back. It's like, guys. Your game was already solid. You didn't need to pad it out with this. Yeah, it's like a 22-hour game that should have been 9. 15. I, I would say 9 because all the castle stuff's really cool. But it's funny because I, I play video games today, and y- do you guys remember when, like, Max Payne 2 came out and everybody was like, oh, my God, this game's only four hours. This is crap. We, we, pay, for, we pay for an amount of time. And I've gotten so far away from that where I'm like, I'm not paying for time. I'm paying for quality yep. of the experience. That's been well, a definite trend in the in the industry as a whole, I'd say. I, I would rather play Portal 2 than, you know, uh, whatever random 60-hour RPG. Yeah. I, and uh, I don't Unless it's how, a really good one. I don't know how long Nocturne is, but uh, I, I think... It's long. It's hefty. Uh, See, I, I've seen people say that it's only like 40 hours, which kind of surprises. It, it's it's 40 hours if you just beat it and are done with it. But if you want to see different endings or it's get one, one of, of the harder games, endings. It, it, it's one of those games where it depends on what your goal is. OK, see, my goal is to kind of just play it. And again, it, it could be that. upwards of 100. To just play it. <laughs> you mean play it and beat it and that's it? Yeah, play it. Beat yeah. It. OK, yeah. 40 ish is probably reasonable. OK, I mean, but then there are games like he who should not be named uh, that I can play for hours and hours and hours. And then we'll hopefully have new content in the fall. Hey, so. guess what? I played so, that game for like 13 and I'm super bored. Which game? Yeah, which Ooh. one are we talking about? Dark, Dark Souls. Souls. Dark Souls. <laughs> oh, Dark Souls. I for like three. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, this is pretty cool. I turned on another one of my friends to Dark Souls and he called me up like last Saturday night. And he was like, I can't beat the first boss. And I was just like, what are you doing? And he's like, I keep punching it, and I can't beat it. I'm like, <laughs> I got stuck away. there, too. I'm like, you need to run away from him. You need to uh, go find the weapon. But no, I, it, I don't really care about number of hours anymore. I remember when I was a kid, and I thought Final Fantasy – I don't know how I thought this, but I thought Final Fantasy VII was like 150 hours. Like maybe I read a preview wrong. Like I was just dumb as a child. And then I beat it in like 45 and I cried. I was like, this game wasn't as long as I was expecting. I didn't want it to end. <sighs> and I've just reached a point where sometimes I'm like, God, I just wish this game would end. Like, please stop. I think it has something to do with the, the difference between your disposable income level when you were eight or however old you were. I was eight-ish when, yeah. seven, when seven came, came out, out. It was all I had for like eight months. So I was like, this game never ends and it's amazing. See, I went right from seven to Castlevania Symphony of the Night. So I wasn't exactly hurting. I was pretty happy, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that I, I hate the conversation of how many hours am I going to get out of this? But there is a there is part of me that's like, for example, I, I plan on picking up Dragon's Dogma when it's on the cheap because I don't know if I want to spend $60 on something that I don't know if I'm going to like. Just wait for See, Capcom to release and, it on and Steam. I think that's the that's the big deal is am I going to like this game? It's not, yeah. For me, it's not am I going to get 50 hours out of this game. It's am I going to enjoy the time that I spend with it no matter how short it is. You know, it's it's not a, a – when a – when a company says, oh, our game is X, X, Y hours long, I'm like, that's not a selling point anymore. Yeah. 
Well, I picked up uh, Digital Devil Saga. I picked up both games for like 20 bucks. Oh, yeah. And I'm okay with that because I'm like, even if I don't like these games, $20 is like taking a date out to a movie. Like, I don't have to enjoy that. I, that 20 be... bucks, man, you're rich. Oh, I spend five on a date at most. Well, you know, I, I am I am living the big life. <laughs> Steve, yeah. Steven goes to the Dollar Theater, dinner at McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. buddy. See, How do you like the dollar menu? Because you can get two. I'm living the big life of a private school teacher, which I don't know if you know this, but we make no money. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but it's like I'm willing to put down $20 on a title that I'm not sure if I'm going to like a lot more quickly than if it's $60 for a no. title I don't know I'm going to like. You know what? What's funny is a lot of people complain about price of games now, but – Oh my God! Right now is the best time ever, <laughs> ever. to get games for cheap. Like, oh, yeah. liter- literally, uh, Best Buy last week. I got Resistance Three, Soul Calibur Five, and SSX ten dollars a piece. If you what? wait, I mean, I, I hate to say this, but like uh, Dragon's Dogma, I think sold like thirty thousand units in America or something like that, which no, is actually. No, it, it's it's shipped a pretty significant. That one's actually sold fairly well for Capcom. But it but it sold well in Japan. It did very well in Japan. I I was listening to the Eight Four Play podcast. They said it did decent in America. But like, I hate to say it, but we all know that game's going to be cheap in two months. It's going to be like what I picked up Final Fantasy Thirteen two months after release for twenty dollars at Kmart. Like it it happens if a game you know, doesn't sell particularly well. It, you know. Yeah, it depends on the retailer, though. Like, saying oh, I got a game cheap at Kmart, I remember yes. I got Gran Turismo PSP for $10 at Kmart two weeks after it came out. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, I like, I'll pick up a game like Dragon's Dogma, a game that I'm not sure I'm going to like. Uh, that's speak- actually, guys, this is actually Steam. a good... Uh, what? Steam. 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 Steam sale coming up. Okay, this is actually a good segue. We're talking about prices of games. Will, not willing to pay sixty dollars for a game you're not sure you like, but thirty, twenty, a little more stomach, a little more palatable. Incidentally, by the time this is out, my review for the Dark Eye Chains of Satanov will actually be live on the site, uh, which is thirty dollars on Steam, and every single person on Earth should go buy it. What is this game? Is okay, this, so uh, is this the point it, and click? Point and click adventure, and it is the first one that made me feel like a child since I played King's Quest. Um. Stupid like a child or happy like a child? This game is gorgeous. Yeah. Like, this is what all adventure games should look like. Yep. Like, I I wrote in my review of Grey Matter last February that I was like, oh, man, this game looks great. It looks great. I look back at Grey Matter and I'm like, wow, this game is kind of ugly compared to The Dark Eye. And, I mean, I really like Grey Matter. (coughs) Excuse me. The Dark Eye, uh, Neil and I saw it at E3. You know, we went, we showed up. We were like, oh, hey, cool, you know. And he started showing us this game, and I was like, what is this? This is crazy. Because obviously the graphics catch your eye immediately. It's gorgeous looking. Like, the game literally looks like they took the concept art and then just repainted it into the game. And their art designers are very good. Uh, Not only does it look good, but there's a lot of detail in the environments. There's a lot going on in them. And, you know, unlike a lot of of adventure games, especially now, you know, they'll do, like, pre-rendered backgrounds with, like, 3D characters or, you know... They'll do it so, it, you know, it's it's kind of pixel art like the old Sierra AGI games. This one here, they actually hand animated the characters into it, too. So instead of having these really, really sore thumb characters that look all blocky and strange in these gorgeous pre-rendered environments, you have these awesome hand-painted backgrounds that are animated with characters that are actually animated. So they fit in perfectly as opposed, you know, sticking out. So it just... 
graphically the game catches your eye. But fortunately, I was literally I was just like, please let this game be good because it just it makes such a great first impression when, you know, they showed us a, a good chunk of it at E3. You know, the dialogue is really sharply written, which, you know, given that it, it's translated from German, um, you know, there's like one or two goofy, you know, goofy pieces of dialogue here and there. Or like you could tell they got confused at like a pronoun reference because like you'll be holding an object and it'll be like, he's not going to work. And you're like, uh, what? But that's rare. The Just the writing is really solid. The main character just, you know, he'll make jokes or like he'll mock people. Um, uh, sorry. Uh, you know, he'll make jokes, he'll mock people, you know, or, you know, just he reacts realistically. And I feel like in a lot of adventure games, you end up with, all right, this is all crazy, fantastical. And this guy isn't saying what I want him to say. If somebody does something incredibly stupid, he'll be like, well, that was incredibly stupid. And um, it has this cool dynamic like Eco did, where the whole time you have um, you have this girl, uh, this fairy named Nuri with you. And your main character has the magic power to like break stuff like pots, vases, glass. And the girl has the power to repair stuff like that. And so you can like, you know, talk to her, move her around um, and whatnot. And there are a lot of cool instances where you'll have to work together to solve puzzles. Like, you know, they'll be like, okay, she needs to hold this. So the light is shining over there. And then I have to walk past the light beam or like, there's one really cool puzzle where you're basically, you have to jack a key from this guy. But he's like basically got it right with him. So you have to distract him by asking him really stupid questions that annoy him while she basically uses a fishing line to drag the key out of the room without him seeing. And, you know, you get, you know, it's it's inventory based. You know, you get like inventory puzzles like King's Quest, like, oh, like which knickknack do I combine with what to do this? And by and large, it all works out well. And just the overall experience, the story doesn't get out of hand with itself. It knows what it sets out to do and it stays on that path. You know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't try to do too much. It just does what it does really, really well. And just the last, you know, it's just some of the puzzle designs are just so fantastic, especially like the last like four hours. Like literally you go from one really awesome location to the next and all of the puzzles are just crazy cool. And unfortunately, it has a pretty abrupt ending. Uh, it doesn't leave any really loose ends. It just it's like and so it ended and then it ends. I mean, the ending is literally like 20 seconds long. Hey, it's Mass Effect. Oh. <laughs> no. Also, the music is fantastic, but that's like requisite that I say that if it's good. Oh. But yeah, it's it's $30 on Steam. You know, Data, like the company that made it, um, you know, they're making another point and click called Deponia that's a little more humorous. Um, and just if you're at all into this genre, you really should probably buy this game just because they're trying to get a bigger presence over here. And with games like this, I really want them to because I would, you know, I want to play more games from these guys because this is not, it doesn't feel like they've created a commercial product, which I think is a problem. A lot of games these days you have like, oh, you know, this game is a service and we're going to sell you some DLC and this and that, which isn't always bad. But it feels like these guys were like, hey, we want to make something really awesome. And then they all just got together and poured the freaking heart into it and made this game. I, I'm actually like, really stoked for Deponia. Yeah, that one was really when we played that, it was really funny. Like there was some really clever, like witty puzzles in it and stuff too. And th these guys just know what they're doing when it comes to these games. Well, uh, if that's all we have to say about that, then I think we have to talk about the at rhythm. Ooh, I like that song. 
I'm okay with this. I feel like a child again. I have whimsy oh, I, in my heart. Because because I wasn't I, I wasn't playing, I actually failed out of the song, so it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, tell us about theat rhythm. Uh theater rhythm. Theat rhythm. Theater rhythm. Look I would, at I would the like title. To... Look yeah. at it. Look, 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 look. That T H E A T H. It's a it's a portmanteau. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to totally work. I think it's just an improvement that Square Enix didn't put any numbers and or zippers in the title. There, there's no brackets. <laughs> no, yeah, so, how do you write a bracket? Uh, theater rhythm. Final Fantasy. Totally not RPG, but totally a, a game for fans of our website because it takes most of your favorite music from Final Fantasy games and throws it into this um, game that it, it's there's not really another game that matches it completely, but I'd say it's pretty similar to Elite Beat Agents. It, it's 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 that's as about as close as I'm going to get. There's some pretty significant differences from Elite Beat Agents, but it's really fun. You You have you know, you poke at certain times or you slide at certain times or you hold at certain times and beat with the music and you get points and you have characters from each game that you choose and they level up. You get experience from every song and you get items and the more experience you get, the longer that you can last or the more that you can fail, blah, 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 whatever. None of the RPG elements really matter. Pretty much you're, you're just trying to get more and more points so that you can unlock all the songs. But it's it's a pretty kick-ass music game. I mean, I, I like a great deal of the songs. It's missing a few that I really wish were there. The the uh, Honey Bee Inn soundtrack. I'm actually really disappointed that they don't have the coin song from Final Fantasy VI. That is a cool um, song. What what's uh, there? There's a, a bunch of DLC for the game. Only there's there's 40 I think 40 DLC songs in Japan. Eight are out in North America. Um, even though the game only came out on Tuesday, there they didn't package any of the DLC with it. It's just like it was in Japan where you can buy it. It's a dollar a song. Um, but there's only they have one DLC song for Final Fantasy VI, and it's the battle theme, just the generic battle theme. But that was the boss theme that you played earlier. Well, yeah, yeah, that's what that's what's actually in the game. Like, oh, without okay, DLC. okay, okay. Sorry, confused. Each game has three songs for each game, and then there's unlockable special songs, um, and then the intro and ending theme to every game uh, can be played if you go through the regular mode. There's three different modes in the game, and really all it is is playing the songs in different ways. But the intro and ending themes only have it where you tap along to the music. It's not the actual game. But you get experience points for it, which will unlock more songs. I mean, there, there's really not much to say about it other than, oh, my God, it's a Final Fantasy music game, which is really all, all, all we ever wanted. Well, I, I don't think it was not something I ever wanted before I heard about it. But I as soon as I did, I wanted it. Yeah, I mean, I think the best thing to say about it is that it's a solid rhythm game, and that's really all that matters in that series. It's yeah. If you like Final Fantasy music, you will like that game. Yeah. If you don't, you probably shouldn't buy it. Yeah, I mean, and listening to this podcast, I'm guessing that you like Final Fantasy music. Um, one gripe I have with the game, and actually it's alleviated if you buy the game new, um, is the game is pretty much impossible to play with a regular stylus. You like It comes with like a five-inch stylus. And you want to use that one because it, it just makes it so much easier. I don't know how many times I collapsed the 3DS's regular stylus or 
whatever. It it you get much finer control with a longer stylus. Is this on yep. 3DS or DS? It's on 3DS. 3DS. Okay. Um, 3D is totally worthless in this game. Like you actually, if you turn 3D on, you're like, wow. So um, the thing that I can't has play. The, yeah, the thing that has all the notes on it has has gone quote 3D unquote. And uh, if I move the screen at all, I can't see it. Yeah. But it, it, it was one of those games. You didn't need the 3D anyway. I think the only reason they moved it to the 3DS, this is this is my understanding, which comes from internet hearsay, so it may or may not be true. Uh, my understanding is that because the 3DS carts have more memory on them, they were able to do it on 3DS and have more songs. Plus, there's the, the capability for DLC on the 3DS, which was not on the DS. So, best Final Fantasy game of the past five years confirmed? No. Crisis Core came out in the past five years, bro. Oh, sorry. 13.2 is good. Yeah, no, I uh, honestly, I'm very excited because, if anything, Square's games are known for having great soundtracks. I want Theater Rhythm Chrono and Theater yes, Rhythm, please. you know, Front Mission. I know I'm the only person who likes Front Mission soundtrack, but screw you guys. I, I want Theater Rhythm. I like Rhythm. Front Mission's No, music. I want Theater Rhythm uh, Vagrant Story, and you could just hear, like, the whispering halls, and that's about it, because there isn't a whole lot of music in that game. You'd be surprised. I mean, there's good music in there, but there's a lot of, like, nothing. I had a point that I was going to make about Theater Rhythm, and I forgot what it was. Ha that ha. makes me sad. Take that. Theater, um, rhythm, theater Rhythm Hitman, Theater Rhythm Deus Ex. Square <laughs> Enix can just keep doing it. I it, it's... Oh, the one thing that's really cool is when you go through... Uh, there's three different types of songs. There's battle music, which you actually, it shows you battling against guys, and if you hit notes, you do damage, whatever. Um, there are, and it, they all display differently, but pretty much they play the same way. Um, and it displays rows for your four characters, and wherever you tap, those the character, when you tap on that row, that's where the character attack. There are field music. And, and these are how they, they are in the actual game. The battle music is the battle music. The field music is the field music. And the event music is the event music. Huh. Um, the field music, you're, you're traveling along and you're moving. And you move the stylus up and down while you're holding it for some of them. And with uh, the event, it shows FMV from the game, which is really, really cool. And in the case of the games that didn't have FMV, it shows footage from the games. Which is great when you play and the the uh, event music from Final Fantasy One, and it's showing like the intro in Japanese, <laughs> and it's just like four guys, and I I don't know enough kanji. Four guys found a crystal. Yeah, pretty pretty much. That was the story for about the first three Final Fantasy games. What it was the eighties? That's all we had. I know it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it was. No, in the Two second story one, was about an evil empire. Oh, I thought you were saying it wasn't the eighties. I'm sorry. No, I mean, the 80s are a thing that existed, yes. I actually don't... I think that Rob's got his time frame messed up. Final Fantasy was released in 1987, I believe. Yeah, Final Fantasy 1. Uh, Final the, Fantasy 2 was in 88. Uh, um, Spoiler alert, I wasn't live, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, Final Fantasy 3 was released in April on April 27th, 1990. Still Dang not it. alive. Still not alive. <laughs> So there. So All right. All right, you 90s baby. Okay. If you're listening to this podcast and you like Final Fantasy music, congratulations. Um, you have a game that you will very much enjoy. All right. All right. Yay. Hooray.
So yeah. should we should we move on to news? Uh, first news story: Blizzard says, "Yeah, sorry about screwing up the Diablo 3 Endgame." <laughs> All right, I'll be back in ten minutes. Or bad. Shut up, John. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Blizzard kind of came right out and said that uh, the Diablo 3 Endgame, the the loot hunt, is not exactly working for them, and they're going to start taking a look at what they need to do. I think it's really difficult to decide what is and isn't working when they haven't really even... I don't want to say they haven't finished the game, because obviously the game's done, but like they're still going to put in PvP, and they're still going to you know add whatever content and whatnot, and... You know, they there's time yet before they have to say, all right, you know, this is all broken. And granted, it is kind of broken, but well, you know. my my question is, and I'm going to ask it to Stephen because he's the the big Diablo player in the room besides me. Stephen, did you do a lot of bail runs after you beat Diablo <laughs> 2, uh, Lord of Destruction? Dude, beat Diablo 2, Lord of Destruction is a strange question because. I beat it within two days, like the the content, and then yeah, that's all I did was bail runs, cow runs. See, and all I did, I beat those games, and I was like, I'm good, like I'm done, like I I don't need to play anymore. And wow, I, you definitely did not play it like I did. <laughs> no, I, I and I'm not saying that one way is better than the other, but I think it's interesting that I there was a Kotaku article up earlier today, and somebody was saying, yeah, you know why everybody's complaining about Diablo three is because it ends. And it has almost. Oh a yeah, I read that. And it has almost a definitive end. And I, I, you know, Blizzard came right out and said, "Well, Diablo three is not World of Warcraft." And they're right. World of Warcraft is an MMO RPG. It's it has a defined end game. It has like those capture the flag mini games and all those instances and major quests and whatnot you can do. Diablo three is a more linear experience. It's not an MMO game. You can only play with four people in a game. I mean. It's not meant to be played like that, and so I don't know what people want. Like I'm, still- I, I think the problem is that you really didn't play it the way a lot of people did. Right. People played Diablo just, you know, you know, doing runs and you know, hunting and hunting and hunting and hunting for loot and building crazy characters, which. As of yet, you really can't do in Diablo 3 because in Diablo 2, you'd find a piece of equipment that gave you some ridiculous ability or, you know, had some crazy, you know, power and it would allow you to try some crazy weird build that's, you know, totally unheard of. Oh, I got into I got into an argument with my buddy today on Facebook because he's very anti Diablo 3. He just recently started playing it and he's like, yeah, there's no customization. There's no uh, good loot drops. It's not very good. And I, I. I kind of fired back with, I think that the content of Diablo up until Inferno is phenomenal. Uh, On your progression to level 60, you're opening up new abilities with every level up. You you get variability in your build. You can try different things. And then you hit level 60, and then something weird happens where, as Steven and I talked about earlier this year, we didn't know how Inferno mode was going to work. Inferno mode holds no it holds no interest for me because I'm not gaining new abilities. It's just I'm getting better loot, but that to me isn't the point. The point is the abilities. Here's my thought about the Diablo 3 Inferno, and take note that I've beaten Diablo 3 exactly once on normal. Um, is I, I think that Diablo 3's Inferno mode is kind of like communism. <laughs> And that it looks good on paper, but once you actually go through it, 
it's not really as effective as it might seem. I think you're right, John. I think Inferno Mode was a great idea on paper. The problem is that you're having so much fun, and the point of Diablo 3 is opening up the new abilities. I just hit level 30 with my wizard, and I got, you know— Archon. I got Archon. I got the familiar that gives you a huge damage increase. I opened up my third passive skill, and it was like overload. It was like, oh my god, I have too many skills— I am so happy right now. Wait, and, to get to get Archon, did you have to fuse with some other wizard? Uh, yes, I had. <laughs> it was actually kind of like Dragon Ball Z, and you had to do the fusion dance. And know? then he just goes, oh, wait, that's that's the Dragoon. I have returned. I have returned. Uh, it's What does the Archon say? Power I, overwhelming? Power overwhelming, yeah. That's what it is. And I, I think John's right in that the essence of Diablo 3, they've made an absolutely phenomenal product all the way to level 60. I, I would say that I had more fun playing Diablo 3 to level 60 than I did playing uh, Diablo 2 all the way to bail on hell mode. The problem is that then the game just kind of stops. And people don't want it to stop. It's like any good game. They want it to keep going. There's a reason why I can play Dark Souls a hundred times if I want to. It just restarts. You're crazy. <laughs> Well, yes, but it just it restarts. It keeps going. It never ends. And in that way, I, I would say that a game like Dark Souls has a much better end game than Diablo three. But meanwhile, I think Diablo three, what they put together was a phenomenal product. The problem is that you hit level 60, you hit the level cap, you're not gaining any abilities. Now it's all loot and the loot drops aren't quite where they need to be. So I think part of the problem there like, is honestly, that it ends up being, you know, that they're marketing this towards this MMO crowd, this crowd that has developed from World of Warcraft and who maybe wants something new or, you know, that just isn't quite, like, they want to balance this new MMO crowd with the old Diablo endgame sort of thing that happened in the last game. But since the content is so based around skill progression and, and the feeling of progression that you get in Diablo 3 isn't so focused on you know items as it is skills then when you hit that level 60 end game and you have all of your character skills there's this sort of disconnect between what you've been experiencing and what is a very polished experience and what they have set forth for you with the rest but what really confuses me is like it's it's a game you know it's it's not a multiplayer game or massive multiplayer game and it has an ending yeah it so, it ends and, you know, I honestly like I see where you guys are coming from. But the problem is that people were expecting a Diablo 2 experience. And in, in all fairness, Diablo 2 wasn't at that point until after the expansion. So it's not like this game is supposed to be like that from the get go. But the metagame of Diablo 3 is really or Diablo 2 is where it got its longevity. It wasn't people going, hooray, I beat the game with this character. I'm going to make a different class. It was, you know, hey, I made a sorceress. What other crazy kinds of sorceress can I make? You know, in Diablo 3, it's just, oh, well, I swapped my skills and there I go. Right. You know, it wasn't like you had to build a whole character. And again, I really think a lot of that stems from the lack of variety in the loot. There's nothing crazy in Diablo 3. When you get a better item, if it isn't, you know, it's – well, it's not attack speed anymore. It's either, you know, does it raise your main stat? Does it leech and does it do damage? Well, you know, and, that, it... and that I have two comments. One, I think you you hit the nail on the head. The meta game for Diablo 3 is not as um, what what do I want to use? I want to use a word for like nuanced. all encompassing. 
Yes, thank you very much, John. The metagame for Diablo 3 is not nearly as nuanced as Diablo 2. You're 100% right. Diablo 2, you could say, all right, I made this type of sorceress. Now I'm going to play the game again with this type of sorceress, and I'm going to try this sort of thing. Diablo 3, you can't really do that. And that is a problem because by not being as nuanced, those players that do want to have that experience are not getting it. And so they're really upset. And I don't know if that's rightfully so. I'm just saying I see where they're coming from. Now, to Steven's point about the loot, there is a little bit. Once I hit level 60 and I started getting 61, 62, 63 drops, there are some pieces of loot that will affect a skill. Like they'll make your fire bats do slightly more damage. It seems like they're laying the groundwork for that. And that could be where they're going to start poking around. So I don't want to talk too much about Diablo 3. Uh, you know, it's it's a game that that is going to be interesting to watch. But I kind of agree with Zach. I view Diablo 3 as a wonderful gaming experience that I played. I continue to play it. I love leveling up my characters. When I'm done leveling them up, I, I'm kind of done. I don't see this as the type of game that I'm going to play like Dark Souls where I say, hey, I want to try this. And the the meta game for Dark Souls is much more interesting. So and that's I, that, that's my biggest disappointment because that's what made Diablo two have such longevity. And the fact of the matter is, I don't really think that they can change that because fundamentally this game is designed differently. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got to see. I mean, I, I still think Diablo three is a great game, but I I would agree that the meta game of Diablo three is a little screwy right now, and I don't think it's as well put together as they said. But hey. Props to Blizzard for coming out and saying, yeah, we kind of screwed up. I respect any company that's willing to come forward and say, yeah, we screwed up. We're going to try to fix it. I just wish it didn't take them 15 years for that. Well, you got to remember they were also Diablo 3 was originally going to be an MMO and they restarted it a couple times. So consider it to be your Resident Evil 1.5 scenario. Uh, I just worry that Blizzard is going the way of Square Enix, where they just iterate and iterate and iterate for years, and then you end up with games that are a victim of over-manufacturing, basically. You can make that argument. You can make it. You can make the argument that the grungy nature of Diablo 2 and how there were some things that were very broken when it first came out kind of added to its ambiance. You could make that argument. Hey, they, speaking of Square Enix. All right, all right. Zach wants us to move on. And More news. You're uh, right. Final uh, Fantasy VII is coming to the PC again. <laughs> wow, what a great reaction. Score. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. If you guys look in the distance, you can actually see some Square Enix executive in Japan giving everyone the finger. Actually, no, they're giving each other high five because they're like, everyone thinks this is the best thing we ever did, right? It really, I, I personally am not a huge fan of, of this, of the way the news is presented. Because for one, I mean, let's let's go through the facts first. So for starters, it's it's not a remake. It's not the... Wait, 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 wait. Before you even get there, back up one week to where Square Enix just got done saying that they will not redo Final Fantasy VII because it would be an admission that that's the best thing they've ever done. Which is... This was not a redo, though. This was was a port of the 1998 (laughs) PC version. I know. It's like they were getting everyone ready for disappointment. (laughs) They were like, guys, you know that it's not going to be that awesome, right? So so we have Final Fantasy VII. It's coming to the PC. It's not a remake. It is is the original PC version, I guess, somehow uh, manipulated to run on on new... uh, 
newer PCs, and uh, it's going to have cloud saves. <laughs> um, oh, wait, 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 cloud saves, but it's not on Steam, sir. Yeah, so so it's not going to be on Steam. It's going to be exclusive to Square Enix, oh, Square God. Enix's uh, downloadable service, which I didn't well, realize they play had. Play online. Oh right. No, it's some other <laughs> random thing. It <laughs> is. It, yeah, I don't. I don't think that they said play online. But anyway, so yeah, so it's new. It's going to have achievements. Um, the uh, the aforementioned uh, puntastic cloud saves. And um, you'll, you'll also be able to pay feature. dollars. You, would you like to pay money for more hit points? Oh, so that's a payment. I thought, thought it thought... was I thought it was like a cheat system. To help oh, people I get oh, the game. no. What is this? I'm actually not clear. Well, basically, Rob, what it is, is there's a thing in the game called character booster. They're like, you don't have to worry about having HP or MP or gill. You can just use the character booster and Final continue Fantasy, with your adventure. Final Fantasy VII is one of the easiest Final Fantasies, with the exception of Fallen Number, or, fall, or uh, Lost Number, the boss they had to beat to get Vincent. That dude's a bastard. I hate that. <laughs> I remember him. That boss is the only hard boss in that entire game. But Well, see, that's the thing is this seems unnecessary, but they're not clear if it's a feature in the game. Or if it's a DL, like a, a you can pay us a dollar and we will give you your HP back. Oh my god! Either way, that's stupid, and I think it just shows a blatant anti-consumer disregard for. I mean, you know. if it's if it's a feature in the game, then you know it's it's good for people yeah, yeah, yeah. who don't have time to just you know like to they want to see what Final Fantasy VII was Fire all about and and you know but yeah so uh, there will be more news coming shortly I suppose and so, uh, you know so. Two quick things on this. One, do you guys remember who was the original publisher of Final Fantasy VII on PC? Eidos. Yep. Yay. No, it was Eidos. Oh, what? It had that Eidos? trapezoid box, that Tomb Raider. Yeah, had. yeah, it was. Yeah. It was one of the ugliest boxes in the history of existence. I love those I, old boxes. You know what? I, Eidos was really bad at boxes because they had their their really trapezoid boxes, and then they had a bunch of games that they published on PS2, which had bright yellow boxes. Oh yeah. Ugh. I remember that. But the uh, it's funny that Square Enix then buys Eidos. It's like they were buying them just so they could re-release Final Fantasy VII on PC. I did think Final Fantasy VII on PC, it, it, it did look better. I mean, it, it was cleaner. Like It was cleaner, but my issue is that the max resolution for that, I think, is like like 1024 by 780. So, so, oh, so window. <laughs> that, that, that would honestly be impressive for that time. I was expecting <laughs> 640 by 480. It might actually be that. And not only that, though, and again, I've ranted about this on our currently non-functioning boards. The original game, it wasn't it didn't have the music from the PS, the PlayStation version. It had MIDI sequenced versions, which somebody pointed out. OK, yeah, sometimes MIDI music can sound pretty good. Most of the time it sounds really bad. And the fact is, it doesn't sound like it's supposed to sound. And nowadays, given that that kind of thing is barely even present software wise, you, if have they leave install, the MIDI, you have to install your sound blaster to get it to work. Ugh. Yeah. So if they leave that in there, there's just, in my opinion, there's no hope for this port because at that point, you basically said we are literally doing nothing. See, he, he, and what's interesting is you say there's no hope for this port. What that means is that um, a couple of fanboys will complain on forums, i.e. us. Um, and the game will sell a million kajillion copies. Yep. I really hope they put an achievement in that's like uh, finish the game with Eris just to drive people crazy. Here, here's what I find crazy is this game has achievements, but what system are they tying it to? 
Oh God, you're right. Next online. <laughs> no, the thing is, it's like, oh wow. So <laughs> the only other thing I can get achievements for, I don't even think Final Fantasy XI has achievements. No, here's what so they're gonna like, do. Here's what they're gonna do. You get achievements, and they unlock the secrets in the Final Fantasy IX strategy guide that you had to go online to unlock. <laughs> do you guys remember that thing? I was so disappointed with that. <laughs> I got that thing for the art. That was it. I got that thing for the hey secrets to my favorite Final Fantasy. Well, I mean, I didn't know it was my favorite yet, but... Well, hey, if you actually want to buy a good RPG, uh, Alice is having a sale on PSN for all of July, so most of their games are a good 50% off. They have super all, cheap. Mm-hmm, yeah, super cheap and super good. Most of their games are also really quite good. Yes. Um, and Atlas games is a good idea. They've been doing a really good job with that, with the re-releases on PS2 of uh, Digital Devil Saga, Nocturne, and now this. Yeah. Atlas is doing a really good job there. Mm. Atlas is, is definitely a company that's, that makes me feel loved. Yeah. So it, it, to, to our, our loyal listeners, um, pretty much if you don't own um, any of the games that Atlas has published on PSP, um, go buy them right now, uh, with the exception of Innocent Sin. All of them are $10 or less. And really, the only one that's bad is Class of Heroes. Cool. Yeah. So I mean, don't they, also, they, have a, they have a large handful of non-RPGs as well. So if you're looking to buy Catherine on the cheap, uh, you know, it's only 20 bucks. So keep an eye out for that if you are all interested. Um, and then moving towards the end of the summer, we have Guild Wars 2 coming out on August 28th. Woohoo! Uh, there's a Rob new. Likes that yeah, one. yeah, I I like that one too. I, I we have it's, that. It's funny I also that like e, that one. It's funny that EB Games had that as the listed release date for the past six months. Now nah, it was June 28th. They had. Oh really? Oh okay. My my fault. My fault. Yeah. But but yeah. So it's coming out uh, August 28th. Uh, you know, I I don't know if they're going to be having new one more beta, beta weekend. weekend. Are I they? So are they having yeah. one? I yeah. It's the weekend of the 20th. Okay, I That's haven't I haven't heard about weekend. that one yet. Let's see. But... There, there's a problem with that because we're all going to be watching a movie that weekend, and Hell no, yeah. Wait, <laughs> no one's going to be playing Guild Wars two. <laughs> Wait, what weekend? Uh, the weekend of the twentieth. That's August twentieth. Wait, uh, oh, no, beta, no, beta, beta weekend. Beta, sorry. Yes. Oh, I was like, I was like, different month, bro. No, no. And I'm not going to be watching a movie. I'm going to be watching three movies from six p.m. to about three a.m. Yep. Two hours forty four minutes. I am the really longest in the excited. series, yep. and I have no doubt that Chris Nolan is not the type of director to get obtuse. So, John, are you about ready to hate on Batman? I haven't seen any of them, just so you know. What? What? <laughs> John, I hate you. John is totally trolling. <laughs> no, I'm not. I have not seen any of the new Batman movies. What is I, wrong with I, you? I own both of them on Blu-ray and have for more than a year. Well, you should probably watch them. I want to punch you. <laughs> Don't listen, Rob. Just just get off the call right now and and go watch them. They, or go packed. to one of the the they're triple plays. Oh my god! Okay. Unpack all your crap. I have officially lost all faith in mankind. Moving on. Uh, Guild Wars two, August twenty eighth. Enjoy. Get psyched. Uh, Pokemon Black and yeah, White two has a has a release date October seventh for North America and the twelfth for for PAL regions. Oh, that's busy month. It that's is. Oh, you know, it's it's month. stocking up. It's funny, even all, with all those games moving into first quarter of 2013, we still have Resident Evil, Pokemon, Dishonored, uh, Assassin's Creed, Hitman. It's like, good God. Yeah. Darksiders. Uh, is that August as well? 
Yes, though we'll see if it if like the game has to be done or close to done, but we'll see if THQ's current uh, situation causes any <laughs> issues. Situation. Uh, oh man, that's just such a bummer. I love THQ. Um. Anyways, before we talk about Mass Effect Three, Dead Island is getting a sequel of sorts. Um. We, we don't know exactly what it is. It's Dead Island Riptide, but beyond that, there's not much news and they'll be revealing more later this summer so should i buy dead island the next time it comes on sale or yeah you really it's it's good we'll play Mm. co-op i play it with the controller because they have like the the analog controls for it where it's not just like press the trigger to hit someone you like press the trigger and then move the stick and it's like kind of convoluted but it's really awesome it's not amazing but it's fun it's a poor man's borderlands but it's also really good and I didn't like Borderlands. Don't, don't hate on Don't hate on Dead Island. It's really good. Should I get it for I, PC or for PC? PC? It'll what's, be like ten bucks on Steam sale. What, what's frustrating about Dead Island is it's the kind of game that I should love, but it's got so many things standing in the way of me loving it. It's got a really weird execution. Like, I played it, and it like everything in that game is in place to be totally rad, but then like, there's just all kinds of weird crap about it. Like it has the feel of like a cheap, like, like a cheap Korean MMO sometimes. <laughs> it's definitely. I mean, it has that Eastern European jank to it, but it also is. I, I don't know. There hasn't been a whole lot. You know, you don't get first person hack and slash games all that often. I thought you were about ready to say you don't get enough first person zombie <laughs> games, and I was about. Ready no, to I mean, you don't really what? get that many. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I personally, I got a kick out of what I've played. Um, so keep an eye out in the future. And then Mass Effect 3 had some endings, and apparently they were crap, so let's not talk about that. <laughs> it's not that they're crap, it's just that they're... They, 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 they took away the possibility of it being something really creative and original, and instead you just have to take the absurdity at face value, and that absurdity is at least palatable now. Yes, it, it's they've done away with the ambiguity for better or for worse. So you don't have the, wait a minute, what did I just watch? I have all these crazy theories, and I'm going to go onto an internet forum and complain about them. Now you basically just have, yeah, so that happened. So that's a thing that happened. Yeah, which is cool, I guess. It's it's a shame because of how a series like that didn't deserve deserve to die with a whimper. It won't have died with a whimper because we're going to get another one. Yeah, but it... At this point, the, the, the trilogy, the, the I, I honestly feel like the excitement from it is significantly diminished because the series is never going to be what it was. Hmm. There was there was so much promise, but the wait, what I I was finding something else. What are we talking Mass about? Effect. Mass, Mass Effect Three. three. I, I said that a series like that didn't deserve to die with quite oh such a whimper. You guys are all dude, like seriously that the third game was fantastic. No, it's not what I'm. Damn it, John! You weren't paying attention to the conversation. No, no I wasn't. the game was the game was fantastic. I was saying like all this like hubbub about the ending, and you know it's you know it's this or that, and it's a shame that it didn't have a oh man that was such a great experience after the fact. You know all it was this this ending hullabaloo. And is it, is it know, wrong that I still prefer the second game more? A lot of people do. I mean, I think the third one was fantastic. I like the, the second third one. one was a little more. The second one was without a doubt the most technically sound. And the most well-designed. But the third one was fantastic, I thought. You see, I, I, I think, not to go back to our Mass Effect podcast too much, but I, I think you're right, Stephen, in that the second one was the best put-together one. The third one, 
it, it felt like it had some of the extemporaneous crap from the first one thrown back in. And so it felt bigger and it felt more massive, but it didn't feel better. Mass effective? I, no, I, I don't know. I think I just like the laser focus of Mass Effect 2. Where Mass Effect 2 is literally just, you got some missions to do with your partners and you got aliens to kill. Go do it. And it was like, yeah, I, I do have a lot of aliens to kill. Plus, uh, at Mass Effect 2, I think, had my favorite environment where you were in like that office building area and it felt very like Max Payne-y. I, I, that's my favorite area in any of the, the games because you're, like, you're going between the office bridges and whatnot, and it's like industrial. It actually looked different from like the rest of the Mass Effect universe. I don't know. I just That area really stuck out in my head. I really like that. And the that. new Max Payne takes place almost entirely in Brazil. And it's so good. Oh, my God. And he, and he has a Hawaiian shirt and a wife beater and a, and a massive beard. <laughs> yeah, and he, also, he also would be dead based on... <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> everything that's happened yeah. to him All he got things. shot in the head in the second game you guys remember that the dude took a bullet to the head in the second game and he just kept living he was so just like yeah i'm sad so more news uh and there's also tale of tales of zillia is coming out for the u.s in the u.s uh sometime in the near future and europe well not near future it's coming out next oh, year future-ish sometime in in the not too distant future in in, in what is likely our lifetime Oh man, that'd be a bummer. It is a thing that will exist. All right, but yeah, so so it's coming out. It's gonna have you know a, a hopefully solid localization, but it will have. Uh, oh wait, I actually totally misread that. I have no clue what it's gonna have for localization. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's coming. But it's coming. What did you say? What did you say? Maybe they will be translating it, and it will have words. There will. They will presumably be in English. It'll probably be in English. Um, aside no, from gonna, that, I don't really know. I don't know what they're doing as they're well. Gonna, no, they're going to translate into Old English, and you're going to have the Thorn character. And people are like, why is that P there? <laughs> I know what you're saying. Um, <laughs> I think we're done here. I think we're done. Uh, Rob, you want to bring this one home? Yeah. Uh, home, so. so as always, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, please send us mail to uh, podcast listen. at rpgfan.com. We, we, we like mail. And uh, John promises he will read it. Maybe. Yeah. Um, always. I, ch- I, I check the address like every two weeks when we record. Yes, there we go. We would like to answer some questions. Uh, you can make fun of me for getting stuck on Matador, Matador in a, what, six-year-old game? Go no, ahead. I going to make fun of you for that. They all got stuck, too. Go ahead. Make fun of me. I don't care. Uh, as always, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or through the RSS feed. And, uh, yeah, we got more games to talk about this summer. So we will see you soon.